Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Making It in Asheville podcast, Western North Carolina's number one local podcast. Thank you for being here. Each week we typically sit down with a local Asheville maker, creator, artist, entrepreneur, community leader. We ask them what they're making and how they are making it in Asheville. And this week we're doing something a little bit different because this week is a different week in our um, history. I think this is a big week. This is a milestone, a momentous occasion today, this morning, as this episode comes live, we are hosting our very first uh, workshop with a, as a partnership with WARE. So th- today we will be running two uh, webinars that we're, we're, we're calling them uh, Handmade for Retail. The idea of these webinars is to teach handmade entrepreneurs, creators, makers, um, how to take that next step in their handmade business and uh, become really a preferred partner for retailers. So if you're not familiar with Gilly Roberts of Ware, uh, she was uh, our second ever guest on the Making It in Asheville podcast, episode four from 2019, May 2019. Um, Gilly owns a retail store called Ware. Ware is incredible. It's on College Street right in downtown. It's been open for over two years, and Gilly um, has curated this incredible selection of homeware and and apparel um, that is thoughtfully created, beautiful, um, and, and sustainable. And so It is a, um, if you haven't been, please visit her retail store. Uh, Check out Wear AVL on the internet. Um, But Gilly has been in the trenches growing a retail store for over two years. And her work with a lot of small vendors and and small-time creators and makers, in my opinion, makes her an expert in the things that you need to know as a small-time maker to get, uh, you know, shelf space at a store that looks like Gillies. And, um, you know, there is nothing wrong with a direct-to-consumer model. Um, if you only ever want to sell directly to your audience, um, th- it's never been easier to do that than it is right now in 2021. That said, uh, most most makers, I think, would, would largely benefit from having relationships with vendors like Gilly, um, no matter what type of product they're creating. And so um, as we thought of ways to create more value for this community, you know, above and beyond hearing meaningful and powerful stories from um, peers in the community, we thought that uh, partnering with other small business owners to teach important uh, lessons that are hard earned and hard learned um, to to kind of speed up that learning curve for you know folks like you or folks like me uh, th- that would be a worthwhile endeavor and so uh, this course is our first attempt really to do that as a partnership um, just before the pandemic Sarah and I uh, hosted uh, our first ever course which was a uh, podcasting workshop and we intend to do more of those in the future, but we really think that uh, beyond podcasting, there's some other things that you might be interested in learning. And and 
we, uh, after getting a sense of who is in our audience, there's a lot of small makers, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives. Um, we thought that this would be a great first step. And so if you haven't checked out, uh, this workshop, uh, this, this webinar yet, uh, a easy link and an easy way to get there is making it forward slash handmade. Um, it'll open up to the longer URL. Otherwise, you can just Google making it in Asheville, uh, handmade for retail, and you'll see you know, who we think this workshop is for. Um, and it, it all boils down to if you're a small-time maker and you're looking to expand into a wholesale relationships or if you've uh, not had an ex- you know, a, a great uh, success of growing your wholesale, um, this is a course for you. I think we've gone through it now a number of times with Gilly. I think that the uh, syllabus is action-packed, jam-packed, I'll say. And it, it, I'm going to be so bold as to say, guaranteed to, to change some small businesses um, for folks who participate. And so, uh, again, making it in Asheville forward slash handmade will get you to the page. Um, we have two courses today, this morning, uh, and today is March 9th of 2021 uh this morning and this afternoon if you uh hear this in the morning and you want to participate in the afternoon very exciting otherwise um we have intentions of running the program again in the future um our first participants will kind of help guide uh what that future version of this course looks like but i think that it is uh meaningful it is powerful and it has um, all of the things that we're looking to add to the making it a nashville community um, in the, in the future. So, uh, please let us know what you think of the course of the, of the page. If you have any things that you would like to learn, uh, podcasting is something we can clearly teach. If there are any other, uh, types of programming that you would find value in, please reach out, let us know. Um, we are thinking about the, you know, the next nine months of the year and we want to be as helpful and as you know, uh, supportive to this community as we possibly can. So, uh, any ideas or good ideas, let us know what you think. Um, and without further ado, I think we can get into, uh, this week's episode, which is a replay of the conversation that we published on May 21st of 2019 with Gilly Roberts. Um, keep in mind, a lot has changed in the world in the last two years. Definitely a lot has changed in her business, but I think it's a cool peak behind uh, the curtain and it's a cool trip back down memory lane on a day where um, you know Gilly and and the making it in Asheville team are working together to uh, deliver value to to our community um, and I can't start the episode without thanking and giving a shout out to our uh, podcast sponsor who helped you know, keep this podcast running uh, through a pandemic and allowed us to keep having conversations with uh, folks in, in this community. And so thank you, Range Urgent Care, for sponsoring season six of the Making It in Asheville podcast. If you're not familiar with Range, they are uh, doing health care in a way that makes sense. Health care doesn't always make sense, but uh, if you go to rangeurgentcare.com uh, or you look at Making It in Asheville forward slash range, uh, you'll see that it is a very logical process. You know how much a urgent care visit is going to cost you. There are subscriptions. If you want to 
you know, uh, go multiple times in a calendar year or just have the peace of mind and know that you can always, uh, you can always be seen and served. Um, that all makes sense. And, and in a time where, uh, I've never wanted to be in a hospital less, I think range, uh, has created online visits and house, uh, calls into their model in a way that, um, I just, I'm, 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 proud to be sponsored by range i think that we think um the husband and wife team that are running uh, range are uh incredible their growth over the last uh three or, or so years has been inspired uh, so there's now locations on merriman avenue there's a location in black mountain and a third is quickly approaching and so visit making it a nashville forward slash range uh, to check out the range offering they have family plans and business plans and all of them uh, just I'll say it again make sense um, and we are thankful that they continue to show up and sponsor this podcast and help us to uh, to grow our small team we now have two folks on the team production uh, team John and Laura they are going to be behind the scenes at the making it in Asheville X where uh, uh, webinar series. So, um, John and Laura can't do this without you. Thank you. Uh, but let's now hop into episode four. Also, uh, episode, I want to say 84. Oh my goodness. Uh, of the making it a Nashville podcast without further ado. Here you go. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville. A podcast where the two of us sit down with business owners, entrepreneurs, artists, creators, makers of all sorts in Asheville, learn what they're making, and learn generally how they're making it in Asheville. And in this episode, we interview the amazing Gilly Roberts. She is the founder and owner of a really cute Pinterest-ready, eco-friendly, sustainable retail shop in downtown Asheville called Ware. W-A-R-E. We happened to stop in on one of our trips when we were checking out the city before we moved, um, and instantly we used the term fell heart eyes about the, the just store itself. And with a quick conversation with Gilly, we knew that the place was special. And once we decided to have a podcast, we pretty much begged her for a interview and she said yes and again I think that it's a pretty good interview I think that she's awesome um, and getting to dive deeper into her story and how the shop came to be and what the future of the shop looks like um, inspires me I, I think it was awesome yeah she's a rad gal and uh, not that it matters but she's like a little younger than us which is even more bad we won't tell you how old we are Right around 30, Sarah's birthday is <laughs> in like a week, no big deal. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, we can throw a bunch of red herrings, give you a whole bunch of clues about what's to follow, but generally just check it out. She's super cool um, and exactly the type of people that we've been dying to meet. Enjoy. Wow, awesome. <laughs> and so, I mean, so it's not exactly a logical next step to open a 
retail store in Asheville. And so I guess from that to here, what were maybe the big steps or moments? And we can unpack as... Yeah, yeah. yeah, like how did the vision unfold for mm-hmm. this amazing space? Yeah. Uh, so in high school, sorry for backing up on you. No, yeah. Uh, in high school, I was positive I was going to go to school for fashion design and merchandising. Um, I got into SCAD. It actually would have been cheaper for me to go to SCAD than App State with the amount of scholarship that I had to SCAD, ironically. Um, but my parents, in all of their, in their infinite wisdom required that I apply to several in-state schools and tour at least one. And so I went to App State because I had a friend who was in college, and I was like, I'm going to go spend a weekend in college as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Um, and she happened to be part of a living learning community that was housed in the same building as the Sustainable Development Department. And so I sat in on a class and was immediately struck by the fact that everything I wanted to do with fashion design and merchandising was more on the production ends and like making um, fulfilling job opportunities for women in places where they didn't exist. And this was like, that vision started in middle school. I have no idea what it was born out of. Um, And so I was like, I can always use my creativity. The art school is cool and all, but that's kind of my toolkit and that'll always be there. Sure, I could hone it, but I like would love to get the academic experience of this content that um, I wouldn't be getting at art school, and I feel right. like is so important in what I, the things I want to do in my life. Um, and that's the uh, glimpse into the mind of eighteen-year-old Gilly. I was a lot of fun. Wow, ambitious! <laughs> Way more ambitious than I think I was. And it, and it makes some sense now why this place is as special seeming as it is. It's, it it I don't think it's common to have that kind of forethought as an 18 year old or 17 or 16. Um, and so we're in the retail store recording this. Right. Um, you might hear trucks unloading in the restaurants on uh, yeah, above, the us. Trap is above us. They're getting ready <laughs> um, for service in six hours. <laughs> and we're in the like heart of downtown Asheville. And so at, from ambitious, you know, late teenager to, I think you're 20 something and it doesn't matter, but 20 something, uh, proprietor entrepreneur who has a retail store that when we first visited Asheville, like it got Google maps starred. This is a rad place. How do we meet this person? Uh, I think that, yeah, I think there's something really special going on here. And so it's a privilege to have you. Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and with that, I think the way we saw this going was like, ask about the vision, ask about what got it started, get, if we can, a little tactical, practical, like what happened after you went from idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, whatever comes up about Asheville and whatever comes up about the future, ask those questions too. And so you at 18 made a pretty big decision to not go to an art school and say, let me get like some more of this class. If there's more classes like this class, this is the kind of place I want to be. Um, I've personally had that exact experience, went to a school no one's ever heard of because I sat in on a class mm-hmm. and I was like, if there's one more class like this, I'm it's in. probably worth it. Yeah. Um, and so you can fast forward, you can slow-mo, but how did you get to, you found your way back to North Carolina and were thinking about opening a store? Um, 
so at that point, I left when I kind of left behind the whole art school notion. I didn't actually remember that I had had any of those intentions until a couple months ago. Like I was having the same conversation with someone, and and they asked something about like. I don't even remember early college or late high school, and I was like, "Oh my god, this was talk about foreshadowing." Um, <laughs> the revelation. <laughs> but so I, you know, left art for the most part behind. Did sustainable international development, French. I have a degree in French as well, um, but I actually started in agroecology, which is organic farming, effectively, and switched later to the community economic development side of things because I realized that that was more in line. Um, with some of my longer term, like things I could see myself being passionate about in the longer term. Um, took the internship in DC, still had every intention of working kind of in the nonprofit sector, uh, but as is the nature in DC, my internships came to an end and I was aggressively applying for paying gigs in DC mm. and um, well paying jobs in the nonprofit sector. It's like, it's just the most, overqualified city in the world mm. um, and it's also the hub for everything that I wanted to be doing so I was the tiniest fish in the biggest pond and ended up like most people do in government consulting um, I took my like they took my grant writing experience and applied it to government proposal uh, writing and so I ended up on the on the project proposal team at Grant Thornton in DC for like under two years and this whole time, since my senior year of high school, I'd been on the board of a nonprofit. Those mm. tiny little, like, five friends from Brevard. It's one, you know, the mother of some kids that I grew up with, who is a very close family friend. Um, I'd done my senior project as a fundraiser for this nonprofit, and, and when I got into college, they were like, "Will you be on the board?" Um, and most of their work is out of Kenya, and. They, we took a trip to Kenya January of 20, January 2017 and um, realized that to launch the next program that we wanted to launch, we were going to need somebody on the ground and my hand went up. Um, so I quit my job in DC a couple of months later, um, gave myself a bit of a buffer to do some travel to visit friends that I hadn't gotten to visit in years. and. Um, Help my dad, who has an investment banking firm in Brevard, and uh, and then I'm in Mexico with a friend, and I get a call from Kenya, and they're like, "So political instability is getting kind of tense here. Probably safer if you stay home." And I was like, "Cool, thanks. I already quit my job, <laughs> but actually, thank you, because I'd rather be safe than." In that scenario, um, basically they were more worried that I'd be a liability because I would have been living at the orphanage we worked in and they didn't mm. want the kids to be further targeted for anything because they're already in an affluent area and it's not a particularly affluent community. So um, obviously it's an orphanage. Uh, and so my friend I was with at the time is the kind of friend that most of the time you love and every now and then like you hate to love uh, because he's like, why aren't you doing the things you want to be doing? Just like repeatedly poking me like, okay, so what's next? Like, this is an opportunity. Like, stop looking at your feet. Like, you've got things to be doing um, kind of thing. And I would give him excuses and he'd go, 
cool, what's the workaround? And so uh, we had lots of like bang your fist on the dashboard car conversations as we drove around Mexico. Um, and eventually I came to like decided that I was actually gonna move back to Mexico and start a line like a lot of the ones we carry in where or I carry, whatever. <laughs> Um, I speak in third person a lot because it's like, well, I do it when I'm doing marketing materials and yeah, sometimes yeah. It, it transfers to like right. actual speaking terms and it's kind of awkward. And people are like, who's we? I'm like, well, no, it's me. Um, and honey now. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So I, so I was going to finally launch, you know, a company like the ones that I thought about in high school yeah. on a smaller scale working with artisans in Mexico um, using his existing connections, um, and it was like I had, you know, already like initial products plan. I was poking around online, and I had this like mood board, and I had drawn out all of these designs, and I was looking around, and I came upon the citizenry for the first time, and I was like, oh shit, that's my idea. <laughs> I was like, that is exactly what I was envisioning, um, and so. And then I started to poke around more and found out that there was a lot of that um, already in the world, and that and, I didn't. And go that back. you mean brands that have a <clears throat> working like a with artisans really well, doing kind of if not fair trade certified, direct trade in ethical ways and in sustainably like environmentally sensitive processes. Um, that I had been so long out of the creative world mentally, I was never in it professionally, um, that I probably wasn't equipped to jump into it in that way. Um, and I was back home by the time that I had all these realizations were coming to me, like, you know, there's Raven and Lily, there's the citizenry, there's um, any uh, Haiti Design Co. There's like any of the companies that are in this store, not any of them, but several of the companies in the store. Um, people are doing it really well, and I didn't necessarily have an original spin on it. So why was why basically yeah um and one of my best friends has you know had run her mom's boutique in brevard for several years at that point and she stepped away from that to work on graphic design realized pretty quickly she was not a like sit on your own at a table all day kind of person um and was trying to figure out her next steps and i basically pitched her the idea of a store called trade um, and she would run the store operations and I would work on sourcing and product acquisition but also developing lines for wear in, in a private label way um, so it would let me do both things um, working with companies already existing but also kind of figuring out where those gaps were um, in the longer term and she was all in. And so we started like pretty aggressively business planning and the ball was rolling. And then we got towards the point where it was gonna be like, okay, very soon we're gonna have to, you know, not have real jobs. And she was getting to a point where she needed to figure out where money was right. gonna be coming from. And yeah. so she started asking like the very important questions, like how sure are we that we can get the money to do this? And mm. I had no good answers at the time. Um, and she was basically, she's in, in the end, she stepped back because she realized like, 
I can't afford that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I was, you know, still relatively fresh out of college, just living at my parents and could. And so um, I kept pushing forward. And more or less nine months later, where I was born. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And how long has Ware been open at this point? Ware opened July 11th at 1 p.m. Wow. So we're just under a, a year. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, 10 months-ish. 10 months. Holy yeah. moly. Best friend. So, A, whoever your friend was in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Frank. I, Frank, sweetheart. What uh, a, what sweet a friend. Frank. What a friend. Um, but I, I loved the what you made it sound like his framework is, which is this is an opportunity, right. not, a, not necessarily a problem. Show me the roadblocks and we can find ways around them. Right. Uh, seems like the biggest roadblock ever and something that could have been the thing you would, I don't know, lament into your old age is I was going to open a store and it was going to be great. And then my, you know, my good friend backed out Yeah. and I never opened it. And, you know, I could have, and I, I I could see that being this thing that could have festered forever. Yeah. How did you in that moment say, well, I've come too far to not try or what, what was it that made you say, okay, well, there's still ways to do this. Uh, it is that, I am someone who compulsively follows up on the things that they say they're going to do uh, for better or for worse. I think it works in a professional sense. It can be kind of exhausting in a personal sense. And I had told so many people and myself that I was going to do it at that point that it was genuinely never occurred to me to not. Hmm. It was just part of the, it was just now I had to figure out what my role looked like without another person. Right, yeah. So then what happened next in the story in terms of like, okay, you were like, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Yeah. And then LLC, how did you get from... find a free, t- like a storefront. Right. Yeah, so... Because it's one thing to mood board on Pinterest. Like we're pros, I feel. Oh, at that. you'd like to see my, would <laughs> yeah. you like to see my categorized <laughs> mood boards? Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think Gilly's mood boards are really, really yeah. nice. Oh, God. They're, I have to imagine. They're compulsively organized. Um, I... But anyone can do that, right? Yeah, anyone can, Because right. that's the easy thing. And it feels like you're doing work, and it feels like you're making progress. But, but nothing real exists. But nothing yeah. real is existing. And so how do you jump from Pinterest to... Uh, you know, the municipal building where you need to get zoned appropriate, like stuff that we don't have any sure. sense of. Um, so the LLC stuff was kind of low hanging fruit. You can, uh, in the state of North Carolina, maybe actually, I think it's at a federal level. You can, um, create, oh no, I don't want to misstate this. I can't remember. It's either a trademark or an LLC that you are entitled to make one every 24 hours as an American citizen. So you can literally register them online daily. Um, it sounds like trademark because you'd be paying for the LLCs at the very yeah, least. You're and right. get it, yeah, you're right. It is a trademark. And so the LLC is, you just need articles of organization mm-hmm. in a lot of places. You actually don't even need that in the state of North Carolina. You basically just need a, it's effectively a letter that says what your intended business is going mm-hmm. to be and the structure of it. Um, 
and uh, and there's kind of a lot of mobility within that because if you create the LLC, you can file to have it changed to an S corp or a C corp or whatever you need it to be mm-hmm. to more specifically suit the structure you need. Um, I was far better versed in that stuff when I was like in it. Right now, I feel like yeah. it's been a long time since I've looked at it at all. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that I did around the same time that I trademarked the name Trade, which wasn't well. Yeah, what happened to the name? Hard. That's hard. <laughs> that's that's we're, we're really, where the word trade exists, obviously. So, like, mm-hmm. to get a trademark on a word, it, it was not. It was. It was not working. Very well. Yeah. Uh, my uncle is a patent lawyer in Silicon Valley, and mm. so anytime I have the mildest question about copyright, trademark, any of that, he gets a text message and usually responds pretty quickly to the call. So, yeah. very lucky in that regard that um, my back is pretty covered. Um, what happened with the name Wear or Trade is that I, my, effectively godmother was in town with my mom, and we went to lunch at Laughing Seed Cafe in Asheville. And I had recently moved back to the area, um, and we exited Laughing Seed, and we're staring at Trade and Lore, the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that wasn't there before. <laughs> and I can't open a store named Trade where there's a coffee shop named Trade and Lore. Like, I don't, I remember the confusion when Old North came to town, and Old North, um, Old North State Clothing Company still existed at the time, and they oh, were downtown. Wow. Okay. They're not here now, but at the time it was like, they were more like uh, kind of a boutique REI kind of thing, mm. a little bit higher end, um, and a little bit more streetwear centric, but, uh, or sportswear, yeah. Um, but, so I went back to the drawing board, and I was actually in this, that same day, I was in the screen door with my mom and godmother, <laughs> and I was looking at an industrial era interior design book that kept using the word hardware. And I was thinking like my initial intention for where aesthetically was to, was like kind of your mom and pop hardware store. And that was supposed to reference like the utilitarianism of the products and the functionality and the like kind of workhorse quality of everything um and obviously that didn't stick around (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of beige uh i have a friend who walks in and every time he just shakes his head and he goes so much beige (laughs) um but like the paint color is called lambskin so not too many hardware stores repping the lambskin i don't think um but anyways the word hardware i was playing with a ton and I ended up somehow just kind of taking wear as a concept because it also felt like it referenced kind of selling one's wares in order to support yourself, mm-hmm. um, but also still was part of that hardware um, functionality and and utilitarianism, um, for lack of a better, another word. Uh, and... It stuck, but it also, and I honestly at that time did not even think about the puns inherent. I was going to say, I didn't where think is about a great it. pun? I know, word. I did not, I didn't think about the W-E-A-R and the fact that I was selling clothing. I didn't think about the W-H-E-R-E and that it was going to be who's on first situation. Oh my goodness. Like, I, That's why we stopped in. I know. Where'd you go? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, were, we were walking down the street, and I'm like, that place looks really nice. And she's like, where? And I'm like, oh, so you <laughs> see it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and my family speaks our mother tongue is pun and witticism so it only ha- i don't know how it only happened after the trademark process yeah but after that the ball started rolling and i was like have i created a monster is this terrible or is this wonderful i'm not sure time will tell <laughs> yeah we'll see. Great. it yeah. is nice that it's not a real word <laughs> right so it's very googleable yeah which i found like like the band churches the v in their name is only because you can't google churches without getting like churches mm. Mm. so i've never realized the importance of that until seo seo is real it's a real Man, thing real. yeah so speaking of marketing and seo we recently attended an event um that i think was spearheaded by you the friday hop shop did i say that right first friday first shop friday hop. first friday shop hop tell us more about i don't know your marketing efforts and what you're doing to increase awareness of yeah. where and, and maybe give a little context on, on what that was and why that was so cool Sarah. Yeah, so it was a it was a really cool event. It was the first Friday of the month, and it happened to be our first on. Friday in literally. Asheville. You guys have been here for like it was our hours yeah, we were less. <laughs> we got in on Thursday at noon, and yeah. then Sarah was following you on Instagram and saw right. the post, and we're like, all right, well, we have something for our first. Friday. I'm like, we have to go to this. <laughs> we I'm have like, a special the, line. Star, <laughs> the stars have aligned. Yeah, yeah, literally, it was our first event. We were desperate to meet people, but yeah. anyway, so we came and it was four different shops um, in downtown Asheville, and uh, uh, the idea was that you had a passport and you would bring it to each shop, um, get it stamped, have a glass of wine, have a beer, walk around, talk to people, and then go on to the next shop. And at the end, you hand in your passport for the chance to win amazing free goodies from all four shops. And I loved it because you guys are all growing your mailing lists mm-hmm. and you're getting foot traffic and mm-hmm. there's like so much, we bought stuff because right. we were coming to say hi and it was happened to be Mother's Day around the corner. Right. And so it was a win, win, win strategically and tactically it worked. Uh, whether or not you think you'll do it better the next month, I don't necessarily care because it was great as a first try. Yeah. And so you know, what else is in store here? How did that come up? And we're so excited to hear. Yeah. Um, so the downtown retail scene in Asheville is notoriously neglected. Um, Asheville is well known for its downtown events, fairs and festivals and things like that. And those are days that among retailers are dreaded because downtown is full. All the streets are blocked off. There's no parking, but no one is shopping. Mm. There are like, dead zones on your calendar you have to be there and there will actually probably be people in your store but no one wants to carry anything around right um so i had been kind of playing with the idea i my one of my brother two of my brothers live in raleigh um i went to school in boone i'm from brevard all three of those places very different sized towns with very different um demographics like socioeconomic demographics have um a very successful by my like my very external perspective um, art walk scene and in Raleigh it's second Saturdays in Asheville I think or in Brevard I think it is first Fridays in Boone it is just called art walk and I can't remember if it's first Friday or whatever and basically all the it's usually gallery run by those groups and then Asheville has a gallery run first Friday but in Brevard all the stores are usually open late as well and people do kind of mill about and and eat and drink and shop and I was trying to figure out a way to 
kind of kickstart that here because it existed for the galleries, but it, they're doing, you know, the folks running that are not the people with the successful social media platforms in Asheville. Um, and I knew that there was a way to bring people downtown and into the stores in a non-festival setting on just a regular evening but I needed to, I like struggled with a way to incentivize it. Um, and I have this thing where I will mm, ask somebody to help me brainstorm, but what I'm really asking for is someone to let me talk to at them. Uh, I don't really need input. <laughs> and so I sat down with my employee and that was probably her first experience with it. Cause she would say things I'd like, sure, no, uh, but we're actually going to do. <laughs> and so I just kind of kept going and I came up with the, with the idea of the passport, which actually I may have not given her enough credit there. I actually think that was inspired by something she said that I changed a bit and was like, eh, maybe not like that, but. Um, <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. Yes, and. I would need to be better at that. No joke. Um, not making friends the way I'm going about it. But um, so I was like, we're going to do, you know, uh, like shop walk basically is what I was calling it at the time. I was like, and we need this concept like a passport because there has to be a way to make sure people go to all the participants. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and the only people I know who are store owners in Asheville are these three other stores. So we're gonna start with the low hanging fruit because these are the people I can contact today. Mm -hmm. And we are going to force people to go to all of the locations and if they'll let us, we'll get them drunk. <laughs> and so, um, and so I knew, like, Hazel 20, I know Lexi, um, East Fork, Alex Matisse had come in when I had had a, I'd had a concert in the store, like, a month or so previous, and I had been like, hey, I kind of have this idea, and he was like, yeah, here are the email addresses, write them, like, that sounds great, we're in. And I hadn't brought it up to Jack at Old North, I don't think, at that point, but I, like... I, don't, I, I have a direct line to him, so it was easy for me to be like, hey, this is the thing I want to do. Please tell me you're in. Um, and everybody was very excited about it. We got together and had a meeting where basically we decided that the concept of having a passport, while I really desperately wanted a less cheesy name for the card. It was corny, there but was it worked. No, there was yeah. nothing better. And the, the better name we came up with was Shop Hop, and we all kind of like giggled about it for a while, and they were like, <laughs> Probably there's nothing better. <laughs> like if, if if people are gonna remember it, even if it's cheesy, whatever. Yeah. Um. So, it was like once you get everybody in a room and people want to do it, it became very easy. And so the idea is that we're doing it the first Friday of the three, kind summer of what months. we're calling summer months, May, June, July, and then at the end we're going to draw one of the passports. Um, and you get, you know, the winner will get a basically $400 worth of product from East Fork, Old North, Hazel 20 in here. Cool. Well, yeah. we'll be back. Yeah. To all Sounds good. You can enter four. three times and you can both enter. You know uh, the rules. No, we got, we, we have two Yeah, two entries so already. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the odds are in your favor. <laughs> Lots yeah. of couples were like, no, we're just going to do one. I'm like, you don't. Uh, yeah, silly, yeah. Silly. <laughs> I once won a, like a Samsung book reader thing oh, yeah, yeah. at a event where there's a car dealership that was raffling it off. Uh -huh. And I went at the very end and I was like, how many people did this today? Yeah, and they're exactly. like, seven. Uh -uh. And I was like, well, I'm one, in. give me one second. <laughs> and I put it in and I won the reader like 20 there minutes later. Um, 
So by the time you listen to this in your earbuds, there will be more First Fridays, and the it will only get harder for you to win. Sarah and I got in early. Yeah, right? so, there's right still on. there's still hope. Also, like bring your friends who don't want the stuff yeah and who want a social life exactly i'm, a, I'm not opposed to that and, and so we had great conversations at all the shops so your friends are cool and i'm and, a fan and we yeah. we appreciate the idea because we got to meet some really awesome people yeah. too definitely yeah since then a couple of stores have been like hey what about me why isn't everyone involved and i'm like dude everybody's invited next year. I yeah. just had to, I just had to get this ball Start. rolling. Like right. I yeah. am, I would love for it to be that there are 30 shops participating. Everyone downtown's participating and you only have to check off eight yeah. or yeah. four or five or whatever. Yeah. But we started with, again, low hanging fruit is my cup of tea. Well, and also it's like, I mean, how many shops in a certain amount of time, you have to extend the time, I think, because to go to four shops, and yeah, you know, two yeah. hours. I mean, we, we, and we talked a lot. So. <laughs> the way that we go to shop. Yeah. That's probably the issue, but <laughs> you spend 30 minutes at each. Yeah, yeah, if you're just going to you know, get your steps in and get stamped, uh, that's one thing. But yeah. to actually meet the people right. you know, and have it be worthwhile, I, I can imagine it get really taxing on your end. But for us, it was a, it was a blast. It was yeah. fun. It was easy at that level. I have a feeling that it's going to start, like next time I had – dozens of people reach out and say I can't wait to do this next week yeah. and I'm like do I even have dozens of followers on Instagram <laughs> so and your brother was rocking. yeah my little brother played um and then next time you guys are getting the, the inside scoop will be one of my childhood best friends who is also a musician from Brevard he is incredibly talented uh, guitar player and singer cool. so he'll be jamming out next Friday as well or next first Friday <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah yeah so you get free drinks free music yeah. Free time with Gilly, who yeah, is amazing. Hey. So. <laughs> Which was awesome. And yeah. so, I mean, what else? Uh, our oh, other questions. Yeah, marketing-wise. is like, because it's one thing. I just see that there's so many different levels of distinction, right? It's one thing to open a Pinterest board and mm-hmm. uh, come up with an idea. It's another thing to open an LLC, mm-hmm. right? And so a thing that we kind of jumped over, which is fine, is so then how do you find a location and how, I mean, did you go bank funding or yeah. right? So those questions, but in marketing, it's one thing to have a cool Instagram. It's another thing to see marketing be successful and get close to quantifying success. Some digital marketers can be more successful than others in actually tracking uh, like a user's journey to checkout most people aren't there. So like what is working in year one of a retail store? What are you focused on and what have you seen any levels of success in so far? Um, the cliche response would be like, great question. Let me know. Yeah. Uh, cause I, the marketing piece has from the beginning been the part that I was like, the minute I can afford to hire somebody, they are taking all of that off of my plate because I don't want to touch it. I literally had had an Instagram for maybe a year when I opened the store. Had never used a hashtag in my life. Um, <laughs> Pound tag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I actually heard some... Never mind. That's the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still PG. We ha- I, ha- yeah. I don't think I've cursed on a podcast yet. I might have. But... Uh, yeah, never mind. Okay. Um, no, I... So... All of that is to say that I'm slowly figuring out things that work for where 
the most important thing that I've learned in terms of marketing materials, and I think it's especially true for Ware because it's especially true to Ware's values, is that anything Ware produces as content is intended to serve its audience functionally. So all of the information on the Instagram, all of that, I've had, I've had professional, marketing professionals tell me, you need to be, you know, you need to have a, an active blog. Any of the, these Instagram posts could be a blog post. And I'm like, that's cool. Have you heard the word bandwidth? <laughs> right. uh, I am doing a lot of things at once. And just to get this blurb into, attached to a picture that I don't hate is more than I have time for right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I am very good at, like, I'm a horrible salesperson, but I am very picky with the things that I bring into my life. So it's very, and I'm also very, I make it my job long before I had a store to know everything about the things that I bring into my life. So I really just translate that to copy and disseminate it. <laughs> uh, you know, as far as the internet will take it, um, I, the Instagram has been the number one thing that people say, I've been following you on Instagram came into the store or I saw a post by someone that had bought something here came into the store um, and for all of the you know it, and that is honestly in a lot of ways it's like doing the the first Friday and all of that is is a really great way for all of these downtown businesses that have slightly different audiences to do what I've been calling cross-pollinate mm -hmm. yeah. and it's right. like Chances are, you know, we send people to each other's stores already physically when somebody's in the store, a tourist or whatever. So to have the ability to do that on a larger scale digitally um, in the advertising of the First Friday events has been really beneficial to all mm -hmm. of us, I think, already, except for maybe yeah. East Fork. They're probably, they're the, probably taking us all on as charity cases. But <laughs> it's fine. We're grateful and we love them um, mm. and they're doing great work. So, um I, if you haven't noticed, speak very anecdotally, so that's why we didn't get to answering all of the like formation questions. Funding-wise, um, so I mentioned that my dad ha has an investment banking firm in Brevard, um, but the size of the equity raise that I was doing for the store initially was so small that doesn't qualify to be what is called a registered deal's not the word I can't even remember like a registered it's not it doesn't well, yeah it's exactly it doesn't have to be a registered investment meaning you don't have to file federally every state though because when it's unregistered every state has different qualifications mm -hmm. some say you can only raise money from less than 25 people some say you have to raise money from less than 10 states has to be under a certain dollar amount um you can only advertise it in certain ways. Like you mm -hmm. can't send general solicitations about right. any of this kinds of thing. And, and they need to have X amount of personal wealth or. Um, X well, when it's unregistered, right. it's, That's le the it's less. That yeah, you're yeah. About. They don't have to be what's called a high net worth individual. Exactly. Okay. Um, they have to be fiscally responsible by mm -hmm. the fundraiser's judgments, yeah. which is like that's kind of a dangerous thing to put in people's lap. But yeah. again, small amounts of money. And the idea is that all of the money could disappear, and if they're not as uh, fiscally responsible or someone who has proven to make X amount of money, they might not know that and people have been taken advantage of it. In the right, past. exactly. Yeah. So they, 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 when you're raising, you know, a quarter of a million dollars plus, 
um, which is very small raise actually by investment mm -hmm. standards, um, you are set to the expectation that you have to be raising money from people who are incredibly wealthy so that the money they've invested does not put them at personal risk. Right. Um, anyways, I started with my friends and family, so that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I basically sent an email to, I think the original email out was like 30 people and said, with a, you know, a formal business plan, which apparently nobody does these days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, having worked at my dad's investment banking firm most of my formative years, um, kind of was able to structure it in a way that made it look like I knew what I was doing much more than I did. Yeah. Um, and provide, and, you know, I knew the kinds of questions that people, that very kind of savvy and mature investors would ask, and so I had all that information up front, which made it much easier for people to say, yeah, okay, um, here's a thousand bucks. But the other thing is that I was only working with people who already know me. Yeah. So, you know, I've heard, you've heard probably the expression that you don't in, invest in a business, you invest in the founder or yeah. The, uh, the people. Yeah. Yeah. You invest mm. in the entrepreneur or whatever. And so I um, have, you know, I'm incredibly flattered or was in, and still I am incredibly flattered that all of these people trusted me with their money. It wasn't quite enough. I knew that I, I don't actually know in retrospect why I did it this way. Um, but for some reason, I split it between equity and debt. And so I have a small business loan from the SBA, but I have it through Mountain BizWorks, which is a local community economic development bank. They provide a ton of services in addition to the loans. They're a vehicle for SBA loans. Um, small Business Association. Yeah. Uh, administration. Administration. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't in D.C. incredibly long, but I was long enough. To, I was there long enough to speak alphabet soup. And so I can talk about most government entities and their acronyms, and it takes me a minute to break down what it actually is. Um, so I am – but the funny thing was, okay, I was not yet to the point of raising equity, didn't have a location, was preparing some of the information to get debt. Mm -hmm. um, but Mountain BizWorks made it very clear that I needed to prove – that I had a location before they would give me money. Whoa. So it's very chicken and egg mm -hmm. situation. They're like, you have no money. We have money to give you. You have to prove that you have a location, which, oh, by the way, takes a lot of money up front. So mm -hmm. you have to do the first month's, you know, you have to pay the first month's rent. You have to have a deposit down. You also, to, to lease commercial real estate, have to prove somehow magically that you're going to be able to make money, which hmm. is not... You're like, I have Possible. a business plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, here's the 12 pages that I've been sending everyone else. Um, so, or like credit. I think I'd had a credit card for four months at this point mm -hmm. in my life. So, uh, Personal credit card? Or like for the business? No, no, for myself. Oh, like, wow. so, you know, everything is... Yeah. My parents actually aren't even, which is crazy to think about now. I'm, to answer your unasked question <laughs> earlier, I'm 27. I was 26 when this started. Yeah. So... I had almost no credit um, and somehow got a small business loan in my name without my parents co-signing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. Wow. 
We could talk about the privilege inherent in there <laughs> for days. Um, the lesson I, is if 26-year-old Gilly can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> basically, um, yeah, so pretty much. Um, and magically, not so magically, basically I reached out to one of the folks who had said they were going to invest and said, hey, is there any way you can front me the rent amount, which is the amount you were going to invest anyway, mm -hmm. so that I can cover these expenses, so that I can prove I have a lease mm -hmm. in order to get all of this other money. And they literally wired the money within two hours. Wow. They were like, oh, yeah, I'm in the car now. I'll uh, stop by the bank on my way to work. I was like, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, this, is how the, this is how the world of finance works. Sometimes you just need to ask. You, you know what? I learned that. I relearn that lesson every day. Um, so, yeah, that awesome. got both balls rolling simultaneously. Um, I was, before I had all of the money needed, I was, I already had the lease and was working out of the office space, which is even behind the backstock space back there because. Thou shall not pass. Yeah, behind the thou shall not pass sign. Um, I had gone so far in this space as to like move in construction equipment from my dad's work shed um, and start to rip up things like carpet tiles but it creeped me out to be in this space without not creeped me out like bummed me out to be in this space without the ability to start working on it mm. so I just like finished the office put that table as a desk in there which was like like my family's kitchen table for a lot of my childhood <laughs> um, and and the first thing I bought was that computer and so I was just back there every day working from the computer, like reaching out to wholesalers who, by the way, also want you to prove that you have a functioning existing business mm -hmm. before they will send your product because they want to know that it's going to be represented in a way that is in line with their values, which is understandable, but also you kind of kind of get real convincing at the beginning there, like, no, but like, I really am, this is more than a Pinterest board. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, wow. yeah, there's lots of chicken and egg situations when you're starting a business. Because yeah. you gotta leave right. before the net in like it's like you know a half a dozen different points, right? Just believe that it's gonna work out, and it did. So yeah, yeah. yeah, no harm, no foul. <laughs> so I have a question because you posted something the other day that really struck me as uh, powerful, okay. and it, it might have been like re-quoting somebody else, um, but it had to do with sustainability and the idea of doing what you can. Um, yeah. So. With that being said, what what's your advice for people who are trying to be eco-friendly or more sustainable um, yeah. in the world that we live in? Sure. Um, I, I always say that where is not a resource for people who are doing it perfectly. Like where is not a great resource for people who are already considering themselves living a zero-waste lifestyle. Um, but where is a great resource for people who have questions? And those people are usually much earlier in their journey towards increasing the amount of sustainable habits in their daily life. Um, and that's mostly because I feel very strongly that um, there's a quote that was kind of circling, I, I always think the internet at large, but I'm also very aware that it is really just a sustainable internet <laughs> at large, at small, um, that says the world doesn't need 15 people doing zero waste perfectly. It needs 15 million people doing it imperfectly. Not 15 million, 
probably more like nine billion, but one point five billion. Yeah. Um, so that's to say that, like, the first step. Again, I like this keeps coming back, but I'm I'm really all about starting from the low hanging fruit because if you don't start somewhere, you know, you can't start, right? So, and nobody's going to do it right or perfectly the first time. Um, and I find that it's easiest to talk to people in terms of like, what is the thing that's most attractive to, to you about this alternative, this lifestyle that is alternative to what you're doing now? So what, like, is it carrying around a copper straw in your purse? Is it, um, using bar soaps and shampoos and having like an Instagrammable shower? Honestly, mm -hmm. if that's what it is. That's fine. Let's get you some let's, eucalyptus up in your shower. Yeah, let's get you some eucalyptus in your shower. Um, I got your bars all day, and Instagram it. Like, get that grat whatever gratification it is you're looking for from it initially. Cool. It has the same net effect. Um, and I have not found a case where that isn't a snowball situation for people, mm. where they now move on now that they've found that like okay, that didn't impact my life in a way that was impossible to sustain, yeah. for lack of a yeah. another word there. So what is the next thing I can change? And then they come back to the store or they send me a message on Instagram because they don't live here and we talk about the next thing. And I, from, like, I, I, I have, again, not a very good salesperson, often send people to other companies. <laughs> I'm like, here's the exact thing you need. I don't carry it for X, Y, and Z, but this is what you need. Um... It fills that niche for you. Perfect. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's something to be said about that. So I, my gut, when you said what's working in our marketing, my gut response was the service, right? The, the, the you, right? The way that you're treating people in the store. And there's this whole world of, um, uh, oh my goodness, now I'm missing the term. But the idea behind it is if you can be the domain expert in your customer's perspective mm -hmm. that sets you sets you in the position to not have to sell because right. they just ex implicitly and explicitly trust you and that what sometimes the best thing you can do is say i'm not we're not the person that you should come to for this yeah. or i don't st stock it but go there and when you say hey buy this bar of soap they're like yes and yeah i'll take two yeah and that that, that is actually incredibly powerful marketing i can't think of the i can't either but it is it. something i've fallen into pretty naturally it's like i've always been and continue to be the person that my friends turn to or who are like give me a reason not to spend my money on this thing mm -hmm. um and i give them a you know small list of reasons why they shouldn't buy it and then occasionally when they find something or i or i find something i like and i send it to them it's like they know that it's it's past all of the mm -hmm. serious gatekeepers, mm -hmm. um, and so that obviously translates really well in this setting. But it's, it came very naturally to me. I see now that it is something that salespeople teach, <laughs> like or try to figure out how to do. And I'm mm -hmm. like, if it's coming from that place, maybe maybe you need to reevaluate. Yeah, like if the goal is sales, that's that can be good in the short term, but long-term success I think is very much based in trust yeah and that's not something I was watching the Brene Brown Netflix mm. piece uh, a couple nights ago and it's like is trust 
is it trust or is it vulnerability that comes first? And it's like, it's like you prove yourself and you get a little bit more trust. And then you prove yourself and you get a little bit more trust. And it's like, it's not something that happens immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that when you're, when I'm, you know, trying to figure out like, how do I make sales double this month? <laughs> um, that isn't in line with, while it is in line with my long-term financial projections, it is not in line with, um, or in line with my short-term financial projections. It is not in line with kind of the long-term ethos and sustainability from a financial perspective of the mm -hmm. business. Wow. That's super powerful. <laughs> yeah, Brene is one of our yeah. uh, like spirit animals. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's good peeps. She, I don't even know her. Yeah, well, we got to get her down. Yeah, for the Asheville podcast. Yeah, we'll okay. She's not a good friend in Asheville, yeah. but, you yeah, yeah, yeah. know. Not running she can make business. it in Asheville, I have no doubt. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, she can make it anywhere. Well, I think we should wrap up with some of our... Yeah, we just had uh, a couple, like, Asheville questions because we're okay. s still very new to town. Yeah. Um, and so my, I think, one of the questions that I remembered us writing down is, all right, so you have a college friend who grew up in, let's say, New York, state and she's on her way down for a weekend mm -hmm. what do you do um uh, imagining that you're not on, afternoon, on, you know like, working like, yeah, the I whole like, time I imagining you're not usually working tell them that i'll see them at seven when the store closes <laughs> which, is, which is fine but like where would you tell them to go yeah uh, what would you do with them after seven um Just, yeah so during the day i usually tell people to poke around obviously downtown um i almost always send people to my favorite brewery. I'm not a, I'm not a beer drinker, but I am an avid connoisseur of veggie burgers and the best one I've had in the world in my life is at Bramari Brewing. Um, yeah. And where, where is that? Bramari? Bramari is on South Slope on, um, cool. Cox that, and yeah, it's on South Slope. It's, South Slope. All right. Yeah. Um, right across from the rum bar. Right okay. There. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Um, anyways, they also have non-beer. Yeah, that's all, every emergency vehicle in downtown Nashville has to it has take to College, go Street College Street to get out of here, and it's kind of an alley where everything bounces around, so it gets very loud. Yeah. Um, Shot. This is recorded on location. If you, in case you just skipped ahead, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. in where College Street. Don't have the address. We're where? Yeah. So we're <laughs> located between Market and I don't know the street names yet, but we're, we're on College, we're, College Street. Street. Yeah. We're on College Street. Looking where? Lincoln, where? Um, yeah. Who's on first? Who's okay. on first? So, uh, Bramari Brewing. Bramari Brewing. That's, that's why that's our list. That's my number one. I send people there all the time. Everyone loves beer, but they also carry all kinds of other wonderful beverages, and they make a killer sangria. Um, I, if I get the chance, we'll take someone to an Asheville tourist game. Nothing like a Thirsty Thursday in Asheville. I don't know what the Asheville Taurus is. The that's name of the, the baseball team or something? That's the minor, B League, minor league baseball team fun in tourists they feed the colorado rockies oh, yeah cool. mm -hmm. yeah they're the, the teddy tourist is the mascot he's <laughs> a big teddy bear with like a camera around his neck and a hawaiian print shirt oh my gosh and for those who are listening there's a lot of tourists in Asheville. Right? yeah so but I there haven't been that many tourists for as long as teddy tourist has been around like this we were not a hot tourist destination so when that started funny. it was kind of ironic at the time <laughs> speak it into reality yeah so, they made it so happen like, that is Right. Uh, manifesting at its best. Um, what else? I honestly, I'm from Brevard. Brevard is known, the nickname for the county that Brevard is in, Transylvania County, is Land of the Waterfalls. Hmm. So um, I think there are more waterfalls 
per square mile than anywhere else in the continental U.S. What? Uh, we also have white squirrels that are an albino and a, and a music festival for them. So I usually take people to Brevard because it's like the quintessential like small mountain town experience, but also it's some of the most stunning hiking. And I know that I know that neck of the woods literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's not a I can, you know, make a long list of hike qualifications that people want and be like, okay, you want a pretty view or do you want a waterfall or do you want to be able to swim or do you want to be able to... Do all three. Yeah, do all three. So I usually will be like, we'll do a day in Asheville, we'll do a day in Brevard. See some white squirrels that aren't albino. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, call it a... Wow, okay. Call it Brevard. a weekend. Brevard. Love it. Those like are some weekend. new things yes, that we haven't me. heard of at all, so that's Thank really you. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else do you think we should interview? Well, it seems like the other four someone? passports, they're <laughs> sure. going to get emails yeah. from us. So the other three Jack passports. of Old North is, is particularly, he's such a fun guy to sit down and just like. Our conversation with him almost had us miss uh, these four. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Once you get run, once you get rolling with that guy, literally. But when, when Ware was like a fledgling of an idea, I sent him an email having never met him in my life and said, hey, can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? And he said, sure, why not? We went to Mela for three and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. It and he's was... like a fountain of knowledge. Oh my goodness. About weird things in oh, Asheville. Yeah. Like he was telling us he's... just fun facts that we had known. Yeah. He is yeah. not a native and the things that he knows, I'm like, where did you get this information? Yeah. What spies do you have? Yeah. It's, he's a fascinating person and so much fun to chat with. Um, otherwise... And it doesn't need to be a business owner. What I realize yeah, is when we tell people, mm-hmm. it, it almost always seems to default to business owner or, you know, entrepreneur of some sort. But, you know, who made these copper? Me. Right. So you did most of the shop. Okay. We're going to interview you, you again. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> someone who's like a, a fabrication is cool. We were talking about yeah. that at the cafe. Um. You made you you welded the corners on this. It's called sweating when it's copper, but yes. Cop- sweating. <laughs> you sweat See, copper. that's what I'm saying. That's so cool. I'm dying to learn that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sweat well, copper. I had my roommate teach me, literally, like while we were making the rods that hold up the curtains over there. Uh-huh. I was like, just teach me how to do it, and then leave your sweat kit with me, and I'll figure the rest out. And that is exactly sweat what happened. Copper. How yeah. Cool. So. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wait, wait, wait. Give me a second. A really interesting person to talk to would be Coco. Coco. She does behind you the caps and the scrunchies, but also like the t-shirt over your left shoulder that has like the brush strokes on it. Um, She's originally from New York as well, but has been in Asheville for a long time, and she does botanical dyes. Um, She's an incredibly talented botanical dyer, but she also does, she's a dancer and does a lot of fascinating kind of movement art installations. and is very tied into the creative community in Asheville, but also the kind of um, more functional side of it. Like she's very well connected with uh, Echo View Fiber Mill and all of those folks there. And um, so, uh, yeah, Coco Via is her name, V I L L A. And her clothing line is Somos by Coco Nuco. I'll spell it out for you. I was going to say, you're going to have to say that again. <laughs> it, it'll all be in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, all right yeah uh also like the restaurant world is a really fascinating nashville if you guys have sure. already dipped your toes in there that would be like highly recommend i'm not very well connected yeah. i have one 
like friend from Brevard who is in it and that would be something I'd be happy to share. But other than that, I'm not very well connected. Cool. And then just my question. I mean, we went to high, fi- high oh. five for coffee. Yeah. Is that generally your pick? It's it, you could roll a ball to, to another co- to any coffee shop and yeah. Oh, to them specifically. Yeah. I, there is no better coffee establishment in Nashville. I'm sorry, Asheville. I know you do a lot of, I know there are a lot of coffee in Nashville, but Asheville hasn't actually had, regardless of what it might seem like, uh, like, uh, to a connoisseur's taste mm. coffee scene ever. It's had the aesthetic, but not the um, actual kind of more culinary attention yeah. given to it until yeah. High Five came oh, wow. on the scene. And they use Counterfilter Coffee, which Counterfilter has a training center here and all mm-hmm. of that. So that's um, all kind of helps build what they've got, what they're offering. But yeah, I can't, I can't recommend anyone more highly. They also sell my straws, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's right a win-win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're wonderful people. I, I've long considered them my colleagues because I go in there first thing in the morning, and I usually see them at some point in the afternoon. And otherwise, I'm alone in the store, so they're my coworkers, for lack of a better term. Anything that you thought that we missed that you would, if we could go back, you'd want to just like throw in? Okay trying to think oh well I guess there's like kind of what I guess you could have talked about we could have talked a little bit about where where is going like what the long what the long-term goals are that we we had a bunch of so where is where will we be where (laughs) where are are we going with this um uh goals are to online store launch obviously but the online store initially is just to cater to the people who are already asking to be able to like replenish things they're buying but don't live here yeah. um, initially. But the real like long-term goal is with the online store is to build that out and have Ash- the Asheville location kind of be the flagship store and be more of an not more of an online re- resource, but kind of a destination, and the website be a serious information hub for sustainable living practices um and then once all of that is kind of stable i do want to get into what i've been trying to get into for many years now which is working on private label lines for wear so in largely latin america initially is what i'll start but i will be once where is doing its thing with less gilly hands needed on deck um I'm traveling a lot to work on lines for wear. And when you say that, you mean you'd have things being produced in Latin America and sold here? Here. Yep. Cool. That's really rad. Um, so where will be a label as well as a store? Love it. And are you thinking other storefronts? Because you said this would be HQ or flagship. Yeah. Flagship. Um, I am not committing to one idea or the other my yeah. dream world would not be to would be to not have the complication of another physical store yeah. for literally everything for it to be an Asheville based business and everything happens out of Asheville yeah. but it is kind of like a like as Asheville grows and its tourists draw like oh by the way the only like I shop at this comp- store online like I'd like to also go to the physical store mm-hmm. yeah. kind of thing cool yeah, yeah there's a 
bunch of stuff that I think of that lives in that space in yeah. my mind that I've never seen this store, but I follow them. And right, exactly. If, it, if and when it comes time to buy, I'd, I'd consider them. Right, and there's so much, not just risk, but uh, risk is obviously very tied to it, but just so much overhead and there's so much involved with the yeah. physical store that to do it in a place where I don't have a community is not only like terrifying, but probably not very responsible. Yeah. yeah. In the long term. Yeah. Who knows? But, you know, pop ups are now another question, things like that. Cool. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny, I like laugh at, not laugh, but I love how people, how some restaurants have opened in downtown Asheville and then now West Asheville. Mm-hmm. North Asheville and South Asheville. North Asheville. I'm like, guys, it's all like 10 minutes away. But they, <laughs> like, like Nine Mile? Nine Mile has a line. There's not, you yeah. can't go to Nine Mile. For dinner at any of their locations and not wait in line. Yeah, so it's more. They don't take reservations. Based. Yeah, yeah, it's always capacity based. Biscuit head. Yep. It's, it's still just funny to me. It is hilarious, and it is because they've all those things have become tourist destinations as well. So they're not only serving local, but they're trying to keep up with foot traffic from tourists. Mm-hmm. And where can we find more about you and where on the internet? Um whereavl.com is the website that's w-a-r-e-a-v-l.com and that is not currently going to let you buy anything from the store unless this is posted sometime after my very specific launch date of (laughs) mid-june um which is when online store is coming forthcoming exciting yeah the instagram is uh where w-a-r-e dot avl um and that's avl like the Asheville airport quote code Mm mm-hmm Right on. So we will make sure that all of that is linked to conveniently from our website, cool. making it in Asheville.com. Uh, we'll be forward slash zero zero four for this episode. It'll be longer once it expands. Mm-hmm. We're, we're using high tech stuff here. Mm-hmm. 301 redirect. <laughs> um, but this is awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. So that was our interview with Gilly Roberts. And uh, yeah. She's rad. So if you have any questions about the episode, want to click on any of the links of the things that we might have mentioned in this said episode, go to makingitinashville.com slash 004 or slash podcast and just look for the link with Kelly Roberts. And while you're there, if you know of anyone that you think we should interview, including yourself, uh, feel free to fill out a podcast nomination form. Or interview nomination form. Whatever it's called. (laughs) Yeah. And so where would they go? To the podcast page. And where should they go? To where? (laughs) That's right. On College Street. W-A-R-E. It's getting confusing. (laughs) I hope you guys loved it. Uh, We'll see you next Tuesday or so with our next interview. But until then, take care of yourselves. Be good to people. Love you. Mean it. Great episode. High five. Episode four. That's a wrap.